Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino, here to help you find success in all areas of your life. The power is in your hands. Join our network for free at besteveryou.com. And now, here's Elizabeth. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Best Ever You Show. We've got uh, two shows in a row here yesterday and today, and another great guest joins us. We have author Rebecca Silence. She's going to be here talking about her book, Coming Back to Life. You can go to her website, RebeccaSilence.com. It's spelled R-E-B-E-C-C-A-H, Silence.com. So there's an H after that A in Rebecca. And just a little bit of a housekeeping um, announcement, I guess, if you want to say. Uh, I just want to let you all know that the Percolate Project is back up and running. We're so excited about that, the Percolate Project. You can go to percolateproject.com. It's still a .com. We're thinking about making it a .org, but for now it's a .com. And this is a website that was an, an, an effort and a project that was started by our youngest son, Quade Garino. It was his senior project in high school, and now here we are Four years later, he's a senior in college at Rochester Institute of Technology. It is a very pay-it-forward, random acts of kindness project. So if you're interested in participating, you can contact him or contact me via the website. We'll send you some cards to hand out, and basically it's it's basically you pay for somebody's order and hand them the card. So it's a it's a pay-it-forward thing. And um, I the whole I think the whole moment of this project was start was sparked by someone actually. Um, paying it forward to me and I told Quaid all about it. He's like, Mom, we gotta do that. So we've done our own. It's on it's on uh in conjunction with my first book, Percolate, Let Your Best Self Filter Through. So it's the Percolate Project. But um when my father had just passed away back in two thousand eighteen, uh we were in the Starbucks drive through in there in, in uh Lakeville, Minnesota and someone paid for our order and I couldn't tell you how timely that was. We were we were crying as it was and it made us cry a little harder but be a little bit more grateful um than we than we were being in that moment and it was really cool so we thought we would kind of not really copy the idea because their idea was a little bit different but um so we've got percolate i'll say copy the idea in honor of that idea we have we have uh created our own little thing and um rebecca i know you're you're waiting there for a minute but we've had things happen like people have paid people's medical bills off with the percolate project so isn't that That's cool, incredible. Rebecca? <laughs> yeah, I love That's it. Phenomenal. So, I'm sitting yeah. here. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's super cool. So we're really proud of Quaid and um the little orange cards. So if you see them, they before COVID they were circulating all over all the different states and in different countries even and kind of quieted down. So it's back up and we're proud of that. So all right, let's keep going with our show because you heard her. There's Rebecca Silence. How are you today, Rebecca? <laughs> Thank you for being here. <laughs> oh, I'm so well, Elizabeth. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. It's an honor yeah. to meet you all. Yeah, thank you. It's a, it's a big honor to have you here, too. And I know you have a new book out. It's called Coming Back to Life, A Roadmap to Healing from Pain to Create the Life You Want. Tell us all about your new book. It sounds really... I have a copy, actually, in front of me, so I, I can see it. But tell our audience oh, about it. Oh, wonderful. Yeah. Yeah, sure. So, you know, this book, it took four years to birth, but, you know... 40 years of life experience and kind of digging myself out of gutter after gutter, crisis after crisis, trauma after trauma. And from the youngest age, I knew I wanted to find a way to use trauma to my advantage, even though I didn't have those words for a very long time. I knew 
just like I believe many of our listeners in this audience know on some deep down level that generational pain patterns and cycles, especially abuse cycles, they have to be healable. They just have to be. And I went through my life kind of having this understanding but doubting myself so much because it did not seem as though my family was even receptive to the possibility that things could be different. And I have no blame or ill will against any of my family members. We're all doing the best we can. But at some point I decided after history just kept repeating itself from childhood trauma and abuse to then in my 20s marrying a man that was also violent and the marriage turned domestic violent and I had a two-year-old daughter and and had to get out, go bankrupt and start over um, to, you know, just more and more and more traumas as an adult that I felt like, what is wrong with me until I realized the only problem I have is I'm needing the world to be different before I think I can be okay. And what coming back to life is, it's, it's my story to help you connect with yours and the lessons that I've learned as an emotional healing and relationship coach um, over the past 15, 20 years in private practice that I share with you. So each chapter is hugged with my story, and it's designed in a way where you get to see how patterns show up in ways we wouldn't even realize that they're patterns and they repeat until they're healed. And then in between the stories are healing messages and my lessons and opportunities for you to take what you want and leave the rest. And at the end of every chapter, there are integration exercises so that we can get beyond just mindset and strategy and understanding this concept that trauma and generational pain patterns can heal, but you actually learn how to embody new paradigms and integrate you and and learn how to tap into and connect to the inner healer in you that is all you ever need to be regardless of anything you faced or are facing and it really is possible to emotionally heal specifically in the face of anything Mm, i love it now uh, you said two things you said trauma and pain um those can be similar and those can be very different so i i actually love the fact that you said both of those things because sometimes we're walking in through life and we haven't experienced trauma but we're experiencing some type of pain and uh, i think the book really does a, a nice job of um creating that possibility for people as well even if you're not a trauma survivor or have been through trauma well, would you elaborate on that yeah. a little bit Absolutely, Elizabeth. So what I'm going to boldly suggest is that actually no one is immune to trauma. I think when we think about trauma, we can easily fall into myths and stereotypes that have us dismiss our own experience, which is the beginning of suffering, right? If we deny, dismiss, and reject our own truth, then our fear gets bigger than our ability to access new possibility. And when we're talking about possibility, Specifically, what I mean is a new, more free, more healed opportunity for a new experience. And one of the things that I teach in the practice of emotional healing is that there's a big difference between emotions and our emotional experiences. So emotions are naturally occurring, and I only teach five because these are the emotions the baby's born with, and these are the emotions that we can guaranteed know They're not our fault, but when they show up, it is our work to either reject them, bury them down, or move through them so we can, again, be free. So anger, fear, grief, 
joy, and excitement. Those are the five naturally occurring emotions we're born having. And then we learn to question ourselves, to deny our emotions. We learn that the world can't handle our emotions. And even that alone can be traumatic for some people versus an emotional experience that can change. We can't change the fact that we're human and emotional, but we can change our emotional experiences. So trauma is not our fault and the result of us getting stuck emotionally in a moment in time, typically in childhood, where we end up at a stuck age with stuck emotions. And from there, our emotional experience can happen and become a pattern. So for example, if we learned we can be abandoned or rejected or have shame or guilt or jealousy or we feel like an outsider, all of that is learned. And the good news about that is that it can be unlearned. Mm-hmm. And trauma means we're stuck in our childhood timeline and fear has gotten bigger than our ability to access possibility. Pain is a messenger that we're being reactivated on some level, fighting with our past, potentially fighting with ghosts, right? Like not even fighting with the people in front of us that we love, but we're, we're playing out old patterns that haven't healed yet and seeing the people now as people from our past without even meaning to. It happens so often. So if you judge yourself as not having trauma, I want you to question that. And if you judge that your trauma isn't that significant compared to other people's, I want you to question that too because we are emotional, which means we've experienced trauma. Anytime our emotions get stuck, it's the result of a trauma. And one of the worst things we do, Elizabeth, in this country and across the globe is we think, oh, it's not bad enough yet to deal with our trauma. Let's wait for it to get worse. And my book and my message is here to tell you, you don't need a breakdown or a crisis or for life to get harder or more painful before you'll deal with your trauma. Because your trauma will run your life until you heal it in ways that you won't even recognize. And if there's pain, that's a messenger that there's some block to you being able to access new possibility and a trauma to process through. And I make it really light and fun and neutral, this conversation, because I believe that trauma should be an empowering conversation. So often when we talk about trauma, people think that means less of a life and it's very disempowering, but it certainly doesn't have to be because we can use pain to access our trauma so that we can learn how to use trauma to our advantage, and that is the beginning of how you break generational pain patterns. Oh, yeah. And I, I also think that uh, just to kind of – that was so well put, by the way. But I also think that, um, you know, people hide their trauma thinking that people are going to think that they're less of a person or – or um, Absolutely. You know, whatever it is, there's so, there's so much that people hide, um, I think, I think truly because they want to be liked or loved or seen or heard or whatever it is. And they think that if they share that part of them, they won't be, there'll be more rejection, more abandonment, more negative, more this and more that. And actually, um, especially kind of in this day and age, people meet the people meet other people in those moments to, to join together and heal if possible. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's one of the, most beautiful gift of the pandemic is for the first time in history, we were all going through trauma together and nobody, right, was feeling alone, at least 
regarding the fact that we were all going through a pandemic together on a global scale, right? So often people think that their trauma is unique and that they're alone. And the truth of it is, if you faced it and if you're going through it, so have millions and millions upon other people. And that's not to dismiss or undermine or deny your situation. It's to let you know you're never alone. I've been doing retreats for 15 years. And one of the most powerful elements of the retreats is these people are recognizing, oh, my goodness, I have felt so alone. Mm -hmm. And I'm so not. And I'm telling everyone, you know, a lot of times my work I get um, feedback that it almost sounds too good to be true. And I I will promise you it's not because you kind of have to go into the depths of hell to achieve the the bliss and joy and fulfillment and freedom that's available to you. But, you know, the more you share vulnerably where you were, what you want next, and commit to being the person that's going to close that gap, I promise the more people will fall madly in love with you, the more vulnerable you are, the more honest you are about who you are, what you want, and the more you're committed to being the person that closes that gap, you will attract and align with the right vibration that falls madly in love with you. And it does mean that there might be people, places, and things that fall away along the way. That is true. And especially if you're very successful and, you know, there's, a part of you that knows emotionally you're not where you want to be. You don't feel solid. You don't necessarily trust yourself. You're not fulfilled, whatever it is, but you're successful. I just want to remind you, it can be scary to pursue that deep, dark emotional work because you don't want to open Pandora's box and lose the success or the love or the people that you have in your life. However, what's in Pandora's box is running and potentially even ruining your life, especially your relationships, until with the right support, you go in there, you explore it, and you release the power that everything in Pandora's box has over you. But the bottom line is no one's alone in their trauma, and we've all experienced different levels of trauma. And if we would just talk about what we want and need and desire, even in the face of the traumas we've experienced, we call in the right opportunities and the right vibration and the people meant to be with us now in the pursuit of the life we really want, regardless of where we've been or what we've endured. Yeah. Thank you for that. Um, how, how long did, did you say four years it took you to write this book or four years in the making kind of thing? Um, yeah. T- talk about, yeah. Yeah. Tell me, Okay, so we have a lot of people who listen who want to be authors, and so we always just give a shout-out to our crew at HCI. We're both HCI authors, <laughs> and everybody at Simon yes, Schuster hello, at HCI, we HCI. love all you guys. Hello. Yes. Um, so it great, is not though. easy. It is not easy to write a book, and it is not easy, um, I'm sure, on their end to be in the receipt of our drafts <laughs> either. <laughs> totally, yes. I said with a big giggle. Um, but, you know, when you get this book in your hand, you're like, wow, this is the coolest thing ever. And then you get on shows and you're like, you know, I just want people to read it and embrace it and give it a good review on Amazon and do all these things. But, you know, it's, it's talk about the process of becoming an author. It's wild, isn't it? Like you're an author. (laughs) Oh, it is. And I have chills as you're talking. I honestly will tell you, I think it's still surreal to me. I don't know if it's quite hit me yet. <laughs> you know, <that laughs> I get it's it. Yeah. Born. This book is born, right? But 
Um, the, the Reader's Digest version of the story is this. So I'd been in private practice, you know, for many, many, many years. And on the radio every single week in a small, beautiful community, Utica, New York, and basically the coach for the entire community and running retreats. And in, it was wonderful, especially to be providing my services in the community where I grew up and I was pretty severely abused. Well, I decided after doing a small group mastermind with Brendan Burchard in the year 2019 that, you know what, I'm, I'm ready to scale this message bigger. I'm only one person. There's only so much I can do with my time. And um, we haven't talked about this yet, but I'm also a cancer survivor. Mm-hmm. And that put things into perspective as well. I didn't want there to be a glass ceiling around how many people I could reach with my message that healing is possible and my methods that save families, save marriages, and save lives literally every single day. So I was inspired by the work with Brendan, and I came home after a retreat, and I decided I am writing a book. And the initial title was I'm Not Too Fat Unless I Look in the Mirror because I was thinking, you know, the only problem people have is they think they're too much or not enough, and the solution is to be all of who we are. So that was the beginning. And, you know, the first two years, just like the first two years, even with a master's degree in counseling under my belt, the first two years with my initial coaches, I cried every single day. The first two years of writing this book, every time I wrote, I was bawling and so vulnerable in thinking, I am not an author. Oh, my gosh, who do I even think I am? Like, the voices from my childhood were alive and well in my head, and I just kept writing, and I just kept crying and I'm like well you know what one of the best pieces of advice I got and I don't even know who told me this was just write like there's two different phases to the writing there's the right brain phase where you're creative and you are writing then there's the editing phase which is left brain and if you're trying to edit while you write you're going to stall out and (laughs) to make the process harder than it even is, right? So I remember, like, taking that and running with it and just writing for two straight years, and I thought, oh, my God, I don't think this is good at all. This is so unorganized. (laughs) And then I was trying to be really responsible with my family. Like, what do I say? I want to tell my story. I don't want to be irresponsible and tell anybody else's story. And so I just put it all out there. And then, you know, I, I can't even tell you, I'm sure you can relate to this, how many times I've read my own book, right? Like a hundred times. Mm. And then I decided after, um, you know, pandemic had been going along for a while, I created a free Healing is Possible Facebook community and ran free challenges for people and started design courses that I really needed to take this, this book more seriously. And so... I, in 2021, um, ended up getting the blessing of getting introduced to my agent that was like, Rebecca, like, okay, we need, the world needs this book now more than ever. Like, let's go. So I did the book proposal and was so blessed to receive the offer from HCI. And then it was like game time. You know, the, the moment <laughs> it was Love time that. To get that manuscript ready for the publisher, I thought, oh, my goodness. So I ended up, um, because I do, I have two daughters. I have an 18-year-old and a 7-year-old and two dogs and a husband, and I love them very much, but there was no way. Like, I could get to work in my own house. So I ended up going to a hotel, sequestering myself, listening to Lil Wayne Pandora, and just, you know, me and God, you know, got this manuscript done in three days 
Um, I went through the whole thing and reworked it, got the manuscript back to HCI, and, you know, multiple iterations later, here it is. And what I will say is that there was this moment, everything was already done on my end, and part of the publishing you know, processes, you really do have to practice patience. And I joke that I am the least patient person in the world. So it was quite an exercise because, um, you know, you, you do your part, the publisher does theirs, you wait, then, you know, you take turns. So anyways, there was this one day my husband wanted to clean out our basement and we do a date night every single Monday. And our date, I said, we alternate who and designs the date. And I designed a date night of takeout and cleaning out the basement because he'd been dying to get that done. It was hysterical. And it was so healing for me, Elizabeth. I went through, I don't even know how many boxes of scrap pieces of paper, airplane barf bags, notebooks, journals, all this writing that I had been doing. You write on airplane barf bags too, huh? Oh, totally. And napkins and all the things. And I remember looking at my husband, Mark, and saying, why didn't I recognize that I was an author sooner? I never thought, I never identified as an author. But I had been writing and creating content since I was Forever. 20. I became a nationally board certified music therapist at 20, working in psych hospitals and drug and alcohol rehab facilities. And I had been writing and designing programs since I graduated college mm-hmm. and started my professional career at 20. And so any of you out there that want to be an author, I'm going to just suggest decide you are. Because if you want it, you are that, and your identity just hasn't caught up to who you are now. And my work in this book really is access to breaking up with your survival personality, your survival identity, and survival mode so that you can deliberately design from an inspired and healed place the identity you choose for yourself now. I think there's no one day we find ourselves. I think we all get to choose to decide who we're going to be, especially in the face of our circumstances. So if you even have the dream that you want to be an author, I'm going to just suggest you already are. You have everything you need. Start writing. Decide you're an author. Let your identity catch up. And, you know, it's cliche as that sounds. You've got to, you've got to commit. Like there's no option but you're going to cross the finish line if you're going to make it happen because you will get – every opportunity blowing you kisses to give up along the way. I can remember with my first book. My first book is a Hay House book called Percolate, Let Your Best Self Filter Through. And uh, I can remember turning that manuscript in and thinking, well, you know, it's perfect, you know, kind of thing. And, yeah. they at it and they're like, oh, my God, we have edits. Yeah. And I can remember sitting in the in this room on the floor with paper everywhere crying. I can't do this, you know, kind of thing. And my husband's like, what in the world? <laughs> you got this. Oh, it's and, all the emotions. Oh, it's, it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, very, very, very funny. Um, yeah. And the and the second time, you know, I, I have children's books in the middle of that, so I had some more practice and everything. But the, the second book I wrote uh, in, in terms of the self-help world um, but, you know, I can't say that it was much easier because, you know, you do, like you're saying, you pour your heart and soul into that thing and you hope you don't make people oh, mad yeah. along the way too. Everybody, everybody around you is like, am I in it? And what'd you say? <laughs> you know, right. Kind of thing. <laughs> and uh, oh, it's just, it's interesting. But yeah, no, it's so cool to have the book, you know, here 
it's it's super well done. I've got a copy in my hands. Everybody go grab it. Again, it's called Coming Back to Life, A Roadmap to Healing from Pain to Create the Life You Want. Uh, I'm going to keep going with this conversation and move off of author everything. If you guys have author questions, just know um, I have something in development. It's going to be an author workshop called Author Boost going to be in connection with HCI. We're just kind of getting our dates and people organized for that. Um, so it should be, that should be pretty cool. Um, I think, I think December or January is when that's going to happen. So um, let's talk, let's keep talking about um, the need for, um, well, first of all, you on my board of advisors over on besteveryou.com, but we're going to talk about that later. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but I love your energy and, and words and wisdom and everything. But what, why is there such a need for, like, I'm, I'm going to use your words here, for trauma-informed care and a better understanding of trauma as a whole? Like, I, when I, like I see, when I, when I read your bio, it says you're a survivor of domestic abuse, childhood, childhood abuse, and then also a cancer survivor. That's a lot of stuff. And you can call it stuff, trauma. You know, there's a lot going on there. Um, why, what, you know, there's so many descriptions of trauma. Tell us what trauma means and what trauma-informed care means. Keep going with it so people get the shame out of it. Because people hide. Yes, they do. They do. They, well, or the other extreme. Or deny. They they shut down, which is also denial. Or they become like a tsunami taking everyone and everything out in their path. Oh. Those extremes aren't necessary, right? So, so the simplest Hang on way one second. I, I can... Gonna interrupt you for a, I have to interrupt you for a second. Oh, I'm going to go back for a second. If we don't heal trauma, list five or so things that we do, like, like you just said again, like Band-Aid with drugs, sure. alcohol, you know, go, t- tell us what we do to avoid dealing with ourselves. Well, I think the first thing we do is we give all of our power away to the external world, to circumstances, to situations, and to other people. We seek validation and approval. We lose ourselves. We shut our voices down. We lose access to our inner healer and our ability to listen to divine guidance and to our own guidance. And essentially, we walk around as a less alive person, right? You're, you're either coming more alive or you're living towards the end of your life, right? You're creating more life or less and you get to choose. But, you know, we go into fight, flight, freeze when fear has taken our brain over. And when fear has taken our brain over, there's no longer access to possibility. And to make it really simple, what I'm going to suggest is, you know healing is needed when it hurts. You know healing has occurred when it doesn't hurt anymore, even in the same situation, the same circumstances. So for example, I, you know, as a cancer survivor, continue to need every three months routine monitoring, continue. I just got pathology results yesterday from the 16th surgery I had to have just for Mm -hmm. cancer prevention. Um, And, you know, I, I get that pathology report in my inbox yesterday. It's the same thing I've experienced over and over again, and I get to have a new emotional experience. Again, emotions are naturally occurring. Emotional experiences can transform. So 
what is trauma? So trauma is, simply put, your heart got broken and you got stuck there. This is why I say nobody's immune to trauma. Nobody's immune to heartbreak. And it brings tears to my eyes thinking about the families I've worked with, the couples I've worked with, the suicidal children and adults that I've worked with that were on the edge. Essentially, I, I and my work can be the Hail Mary path a lot of the time. People think they've tried everything and then they work with me and then we solve the seemingly impossible pretty trauma can heal quickly, which is pretty controversial, but, but it can. When you, when you access your own inner child and give that inner child a voice and the love and care and ability to move through those emotions that got stuck so that the heart can open again versus close, that's healing through trauma. We give so much power to our parents, to the external to essentially make and break us. If our first love broke our heart, how many millions upon millions of people decide they're never going to love again? Or if Hmm. our parents broke our hearts, or if we saw our parents breaking each other's hearts, why would I put myself in that scenario? So I deny my right for joy and freedom and love because of trauma and that is unnecessary. And that is an epidemic and a societal norm that I just call bullshit on. It, it isn't good enough for us to walk around shutting our hearts down, all clogged up with our trauma and our emotional gunky pain. And then we walk around wondering, well, why aren't people loving me? Well, you're all clogged up and funky. So you're going to attract people that are all clogged up and funky too. And there's a way to clear out those pipes. And, you know, I have been through hell. And, you know, one of my coaches along the way said, I don't understand why you're not a drug addict, you know, on, on the streets. Like, why didn't you give up? And I don't know yeah. the answer to that. I just knew I wasn't going to let my trauma win. And I want people to understand that when you close your heart down, when you protect yourself from getting heartbroken again, life will guaranteed give you more evidence that love hurts and that you need to protect yourself. And I want you to understand that healthy love is not abuse and isn't traumatic and is available to you. But until you healed through your own trauma, you will keep situations and people that remind you, you've still got trauma to heal. I want people walking around free with open hearts. And if you are a lover, which if you're here, my guess is you are, you love life, you love people, you want to love. And then you deny your love and ability to love and receive love because of your past, you're going to suffer so much and you don't have to. I'm living the most gorgeous love story. And I'm so grateful for that. And in multiple, really, I have a love story with my body, a love story with myself, but especially my marriage. I'm so proud of it. And it hasn't been easy. We've been through hell together, but we keep our hearts open and we've dealt with our trauma, which means we get to design a future that's whatever we want it to be and not just a reaction to each of our past. Yeah. Yeah. As a human being who's been married for over, you know, 24 years now with four sons, I hear you. Congratulations. Yeah. So I celebrate that marriage thing too. And when you said that I smiled from ear to ear, you know, I want to ask you again, well, very well put. I want to ask you about, um, I want to, uh, there's a specific type out there and I want to kind of address this type. I see it over and over and over again in Best Ever You and it's, we, you can add to it here, but it's sort of a person who's had some trauma, whatever it is, but they go more into like an avoidance of themselves 
possibly yeah. protecting themselves, but always glossing over everything in life, like just going, 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 but just nothing's too serious ever. Um, in seek of fun, in seek of alcohol, in seek of what, sex, whatever it is, but they gloss over everything. And the person deep down, the people deep down, they kind of hate themselves in reality. Mm-hmm. Talk about that type because it's everywhere. Yeah. Well, I see it all the time. It, it's everywhere. And I think like no one is immune to trauma. You know, we can't go without love is, is in the same way that we can't go without food. And when we're running, when, when fear takes our brain over, running. you know, we go into fight, flight, freeze. And the, the flight is how we numb out, how we run away. That can look like affairs. That can look like substance use. That can look like um, eating disorders. That can look like so many things. Using our diagnoses and medications for our, our, our diagnoses as a crutch and a security blanket and, you know, a way to not need to hope for more because this is all there is to, for me because of this diagnosis and these meds, right? So flight is really dangerous. Um, and, and it, Numbing out, it keeps you so unsafe. That's what I want people to understand. Yeah. So there's a couple of things as you were, you were talking here that I was hearing that I feel that it's important to talk about. So toxic positivity, it's a real thing. And I went through a phase of my life where you wouldn't have known what the hell I'd been through. I was so smiley and happy, and it was Pollyanna and a bunch of bullshit. Like, I, I wasn't actually well. But I was trying to kind of fake it till I made it. And, you know, yep. I was the queen of being so busy. I was running marathons. I was working three jobs to make ends meet. I was a single mom. I slept four hours a night for I don't even know how many years. I did not take care of myself at all because I didn't want to have to feel all of the emotions inside of me that felt bigger than me and felt like if I allowed myself to start to feel, they'd never stop. I remember thinking, if I start crying, there I will not stop. And then... It was true. For two years, I didn't start crying. Stop crying. I literally was in this little carriage house. My whole life blew up. I left a beautiful, you know, financially cush situation with my first marriage. I ended up in this little house that was leaking all over the place. There's pots and pans and the house is crying. I'm crying, you know, and I still didn't want to slow down and be still and feel. And, you know, the other two things that can happen Um, aside from how we run away, is we fight reality. And I love Byron Katie's quote, when you argue with reality, you lose, but only 100% of the time. And when we're fighting reality, we blame. We put, again, all of our power in the external world's hands when we do that, because essentially we're saying, it's your fault. You did this to me. Until and unless the world is different, you behave how I need you to behave, I'm not going to be okay. So there's no, there's no power there, and it just contributes to the death of your spirit and to the death of your soul. And then the other thing we can do, which was my other MO for so many years, is we freeze. And if you're a person that defaults into freeze mode when fear takes you over, I just want you to have so much compassion for yourself. It doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. You're someone that doesn't want to do harm. You're someone that doesn't want to run away. And you just might not know what else to do. So if you're freezing, the way to move through that is to simply breathe and just find one next step. Don't get too far ahead of yourself. And maybe your only next step is to breathe 
and recognize that you're in a state of frozen, take a shower or go outside in bare feet and stand on the ground and connect to your roots again. If you're fighting, you know, my first coach, Carol Reynolds, she would say, take your two fingers, point them at yourself and say, if it's to be, it's up to me, like take self-responsibility. And my book really lovingly helps you take your power back and take responsibility again for your emotional experiences that you can transform. And if you want to run, just catch it as much as you can in the moment you're in and breathe. I just had a moment last night, you know, it was scary. This pathology report I got yesterday, mm-hmm. I Googled a term and I thought, cause I, I read the words malignant pigment and I thought for an hour, Oh my God, is the cancer back? And it's stage four. Um, and it, and it wasn't, but I wanted to run in that moment and, and we're human and, and we can't spiritually bypass our own human experience. Right. Um, our journey of healing, but if you want to run, don't. And, and it's that simple. Instead of running, it was nine o'clock at night. I set up yoga and candles with my seven-year-old, and we did thirty minutes of yoga before we both went to bed. I didn't run. I did something to take care of and honor myself. And yeah. it'll be two steps forward and potentially feel like twenty steps back, but just keep going. And I promise, my clients tell me every single day. I never believed you, Rebecca, that there was going to be another side to all this, and here it is. Yeah. There's yeah, another side, to, I promise you. It's tough to get uh, people present with themselves fully so that they stop running and, and deal. Uh, I, I do some exercises sometimes with people where we just sit quietly trying to, I'll use the word trying to, which I don't use very much, but trying to calm, your, calm a mind. So that it stops yeah. running, yeah. making lists, doing doing anything other than being silent. Yeah. And sometimes I've, I've I had one client who's like, I just want to see how long this takes, and I'm like, All right, we can. I, I'll block out a while. <laughs> it you know it was a full hour and fifteen minutes before she was finally like, Oh, it stopped. Yeah, kind of thing. Yeah, just sitting and there, it and might I'm like, not All right. in your first, and it might not, right? yeah. and it might not in your first effort, you know, but keep just keep going. And there's a free trauma trigger release masterclass on my website, RebeccaSilence.com, available to all of you right away. And, you know, my work really is about teaching you how to take power over your life again, but it also teaches you how to regulate your own nervous system. Because when fear takes your brain over, your nervous system is dysregulated. And, you know, we learn all these strategies and there's mindset work, but it's not enough to feel how you want to feel and to live how you want to live. And that is your right. No matter what, you get to feel how you want to feel and live how you want to live, but not if you refuse to be with you and your truth in stillness, in silence, in the uncomfortable moments. Yeah, that's the hate yourself part. I'm like, stop hating yourself. Yeah. <laughs> when you stop hating yeah, and, yourself, and you it's, a, it's a really different right. world. Yeah. Um, well, okay, and let me so say just, one more thing about yeah, that. Keep, Can please, I just yeah. say one more thing about that? So if, yeah. if you're hating yourself, chances are you don't hate you or your life. You're operating based on your survival personality's need to keep your ego alive and well. We learn as children who we need to be to survive our family systems, and then we mistakenly believe that's who we are. And when we're being who we needed to be to survive our family systems, we don't like ourselves that well because it isn't our authentic self. So I just wanted to take a second to normalize Beautiful. that for everybody. Even, even, even better, better well put. I love it. Um, you're the author of Coming Back to Life. You're the host of Healing is Possible Experience and the Tougher Together Breakthrough Podcast. And you've also got the Emotional 
the Emotional Survival Kit course. Uh, yeah. what, you've got coaching seminars, books, online courses, everything. I'm wondering, by any chance, and before I ask you this, do you have a copy of your book in front of you by any chance? Or do you have to get, like, get up and um, get it? I, I can. I can get up and get it. Sure. Can you without? Yeah. Okay. I'll talk yeah. for while you do that. Okay. Visit her website. Yeah. RebeccaSilence.com. It's R-E-B-E-C-C-A-H silence.com. Again, she's a, Rebecca's a global advocate and leading coach in emotional healing and relationships. Um, and we, we hope that she keeps getting um, negative. I don't know if it's, it's a, Negative cancer results back, right? That's what, that's what we want, right, Rebecca? Yes. We want you to make sure you have that. I didn't know if it was like a false positive. Te- you know, sometimes the tests are like, well, if it's positive, it's negative. And if it's negative, it's positive. So I don't want to misspeak there. But, you know, I hope that your your test results keep um, keep you here and, and, and healthy and all those good things that go with um, dealing with cancer all the time in those check-ins. That's tough. Um, so we're with Thank you. Thank you. And I do have yes. the book in front of me now. All right. Can you turn to your own book, to page 233? I was hoping you would take us out of this show um, with reading the epilogue. I know it's. I'm telling you oh, to read the sure. end of the book, but I think it's so pretty. I was just hoping to hear your voice read 233 and 234, if you want to. You don't yeah. have to. You can pass, take a hard pass if you want to. I would be honored. Okay. Let me just get grounded. Dear life, our journey has been fabulous at times and tragic at times. But without you, I would be nothing. With you, I've lived, loved, fallen, risen, and met myself, my purpose, and so many beautiful people. You've brought me family. Together we have created joy. This life is ours for the long game. I will never be alone because we are in every moment together from this moment forward. I hear you now. I see you now, you now. I honor you now. This life has been magnificent for me only because you have been with me every breath. Every struggle has been worth it. Every choice brought lessons and wisdom. Every moment you continue to teach and guide me, I choose you now like you've only always chosen me. Love, Rebecca. Hmm. I got nothing else after that. (laughs) I love that. Thank (laughs) you for reading that. Um, Thank you. Yeah, thank you for being a guest here on the Best Ever You Show. I hope people treasure your book as much as I do. It's it's a really beautiful book, and... um, the journal exercises are incredible. Um, it's just a really good book. Um, I don't know. Sometimes there's just a really good book that comes my way. I'm like, this is a good book. Um, and so we, we love having you here. We hope you come back. And I want to talk to you about becoming maybe an advisory board member on my website. I'd love to have you. Oh, I'd be honored. And thank you so much for having me and for using your platform to make such a beautiful difference in the world and to all the listeners mm-hmm. Thank you for tuning in, and I do hope that you will get some clarity and peace and relief and excitement again about your life after reading my book. 
Beautiful. All right, everybody, thanks so much for listening to the Best Ever You Show again. Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us. Again, her book is Coming Back to Life, A Roadmap to Healing from Pain to Create the Life You Want. Thanks, everybody, for being here. Take care and have a beautiful day. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave, be bold, be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.